Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roney and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. This episode is brought to you by the Gutsy Health Membership Program, a program that gives you inexpensive tools and resources to heal your mind, body, and soul. Visit our website at mygutsyhealth.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. I have my amazing co-host with me, Gina Warfel. We have a very special guest today. Her name is Julie Clark. She is a certified nutritional counselor. And we're going to be talking about today a very, very popular service that we have here at Provo Health is actually the functional hair analysis. And so it's a hair scan. It's a machine that scans like four pieces of your hair. And it gives you a 30-something page report on nutritional environmental support systems. And this technology we've been using here at Provo Health for a little over five years. And it's interesting. And I'll give you guys my experience around the hair analysis and why I love it so much. And then we'll go into Julie's story. But I started doing these hair scans in the beginning just on family because I wasn't sure. This almost seems too good to be true, all this information that comes out. And it kept nailing people over and over to the point where I thought the machine was recording our conversations. So I would actually pull people's hair, scan it and have everyone move to another room for a while. And it just kept nailing people. And I remember Gina, when you and Raj did your hair analysis, Raj was dealing with some really severe gut issues and toxins came out and came up on his hair analysis. You guys, this hair analysis shows vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, fatty acids, amino acids. It will show if there are viral issues or stressors, parasitic, heavy metals, chemicals, toxins, EMFs. It is phenomenal. And it picks up stuff that I can't find in blood work, right? You can't really do good blood work for heavy metals unless it's like a specific specific urine chelation thing. And so it's hard to pick up parasites in blood work. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken with that have actually done parasitic tests and have nothing has shown up in these parasitic tests that they've done with their doctors. They do a hair scan, parasites come up, they do a parasite cleanse and hundreds of parasites are coming out of them, right? It's eerie how well this program works, right, Gina? Wasn't that your experience when you tried it? I'm so excited for this conversation today because when I actually first met you and Tristan, you guys were telling me about the hair scan and I I am just diehard science girl. Right. right? And I'm like, I don't know. Can you really scan hair and have it tell you all this stuff? And I remember Tristan saying, look, I know this sounds a little hokey. And I had just met Tristan too. And he's like, trust me, I'm a science guy. I know this sounds weird, but we see so many people and it matches their health. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try and get on board with this. And then we finally did my hair scan. And what is so crazy is what came up as the number one priority was emotional health and adrenals, Mm -hmm. which for me is anytime I do labs, the number one thing that comes up is my cortisol and my adrenals Mm -hmm. and my emotional health. Everything I do says like your emotional health is your number one most important thing for your health. And I was like, hmm, that's really weird. The other thing that came up too is you were like, oh, are you, have you guys been traveling a lot? What is it that it measures where it's like you go to maybe airports a lot? Like radiation. And we had been going from state to state and every week we had been getting on a flight and going to a new state for two months. And you're like, oh, the radiation came up high. And I was like, wow, I was completely mind blown by my own result. And then Raj did his and he was like having really random, horrible gut issues that were really, really bad for two weeks. 
And this is not typical for him. And he's like, I don't know what's going on in my gut. It seems there is something inside of my stomach that my body is just trying to get out. And then he did the hair scan and it came up as toxins in the gut. And he took the supplements that you told him to take, the probiotics for his gut. And then he got a colonic and it immediately went away. And, and we also put him in the like, hocket. Remember we put him in the hocket mm-hmm. to help detoxify him and get all that yep. gunk out of him. Mm-hmm. And he felt immediately better like that night even. So it was like the power of seeing the result that was so powerful that I was like, okay, I really do believe in this. And now I'm still curious. Tell me more of the science. I have to know. It's amazing. Anecdotal evidence that we get around the hair analysis is mind blowing. I can't deny it. I've had people come in with their kids and mold comes up and they move homes and they're like, my kid is back to themselves again. Picks up mold. It's just really phenomenal. And when people are like, oh, we don't have mold. I'm like, get a second opinion. Call, test my home. Make sure you're testing properly because not everyone's trained to test as thoroughly as test my home. So it's really, really phenomenal. And so Julie Clark, you have been working with Cell Wellbeing now for longer than I have, seven years. And so tell us a little bit about you and your background and your relationship with Cell Wellbeing. And then we can just kind of launch into the science and the industry and all the really juicy details that people that have been pining to do a hair analysis want to hear from us. Perfect. Well, first of all, thank you to Janique and Gina for having me here. I have been an avid listener of your podcast for years, and I just think it is fantastic. Provides so much information to help people really empower themselves to become, as you call it, their own health advocate. Such a huge effort that you put forth, and thank you so much for all the wonderful things that you guys share. As you mentioned, I've been in the health and wellness industry for about 25 years now. I am a certified nutritional consultant and a licensed phlebotomist, so I do blood work as well as the hair analysis in conjunction with seeing my patients and clients. And I've utilized the cell wellbeing technology for about seven years now. And it has been an amazing tool. It has allowed me to see so much deeper into what's going on with an individual's health, even sometimes before they understand that something's going on inside their body, because our bodies are very intuitive. It knows in advance some of the things that we don't even see in the form of symptoms showing on the outside. So this has allowed me to get deeper into those levels of detail. I personally done probably over 3,000 scans at this point. So I've got a fair amount of information and details in dealing with it. It's been such an amazing tool. And I've been so grateful to have the opportunity to not only be a practitioner myself, but also to have moved into a role now kind of on a broader basis for the United States and Canada, in which I am actually going out and training some of our practitioners. I work with my business partner, gentleman by the name of Steve Reitman, who's located out of Chicago. Together, we are responsible for all the marketing, all the sales, all the support, all the technology for the United States and Canada representatives. So it's really an honor to be here with you, especially Janique. I know you've been so involved in sharing this particular element of your practice, you know, for all these years. And we've been so grateful to be on this journey with you, you know, provide this technology out to public. I know one of the things Janique wanted to share with you is information about kind of the history of cell well-being. Where did it come from? How did it get developed? Why is it here? So I need to tell you a little bit of a personal story about our founder. His name is Ian Lyons. He and his wife, whose name is Wasana, have adopted, believe it or not, 28 children over the course of the last 24 years. They do not have any natural children themselves, but they have adopted all these kids in an effort to try to bring light to these individuals, obviously give them a chance, a life they might not have ever had. And one of the things that they found as a result of adopting these kids is these children came with no medical history. 
they didn't know exactly what was going on historically from DNA perspective with these kids. And so they found that many of them had health issues. They couldn't really understand exactly what the dynamic was, not only behind their history, what those children's nutritional intake, what environmental issues they might have been exposed to. So Ian really went out searching for a way in which he could dig into those details and evaluate these kids. He spent a good deal of time, about three or four years, working on a technology that allowed him to get into the cellular level to see what was going on, not just from a genetic perspective, but also to see what these kids had been exposed to and what they'd been consuming so that he could develop more of a way in which he could treat their illness and their situation. He actually found technology developed originally out of Russia called a spectrum coil. And what they found was the spectrum coil allowed them to basically measure the waves, the energy of the individual cells. And I know that sounds, Gina, as you said, a little hokey. As scientists, we all want something to be a little bit more finite, a little bit more detailed in terms of its... Can I talk to that for a second? The energy of the individual cells? Well, and I've spoken about this a lot on the podcast, but it makes perfect sense because when you look at atoms and electrons and atoms, and so the neutrons are in the middle with the protons and you have the electrons orbiting around and we all have that really traditional image of an atom, right? And it's like this compact little thing, but that's actually not true. People envision a football field, like a professional NFL football field, right? And then put three grains of sand in the middle of that football field and then take a few grains of salt and have it rotating around that football field. That's actually an accurate like depiction of an atom. So it's 99.9999999% empty space. And so physicists back in the day, they were trying to figure out if electrons and protons and neutrons, if they were actually waves or particles. So what they did was they shot electrons from an electron beam onto like a board in the back. They saw a pattern of if you were shooting bullets on a wall, it was like, oh, okay, electrons are matter, right? It's here. We're shooting them at this board. And now we have this pattern of holes in the back. But scientists have to repeat their studies, right? To make sure that it is repeatable and it is true. And so what they did was they repeated this test and they got an interference patterns of waves. And so they were confused. They said, are neutrons, are they particles or waves? They realized that they're actually both. So are we actually matter or are we mostly energy? And the thing is like in quantum physics, we can't give the right answer because it's both and we don't understand it. And so really we are very, very, very energetic, right? If the smallest part of matter atoms that are 99.999% empty space can change between particle and wave, then of course there is a resonance, there's a vibration and changing that wave, the only difference was observing it. So when there was a person observing in that test, it changed the particle. And so we can see from other things too, like that, I can't remember that Japanese scientist who would take water and he would write words on water and then freeze them and then take photos of the water structure and the water that had words like love and peace and mother Teresa. They were all these beautiful, vibrant, beautifully structured, properly structured, like flakes of ice particles that were on a magnetic microscope. But when you put words of like hate and Adolf Hitler and I don't love you. The structure was very deformed and for lack of a better word, ugly. And so even the resonance of words changes the structure. We can see water. Resonance of words changes energy and particles into matter. People observing things changes how it is in the world. We can't understand it, but we know it's happening. And so that feels really important for me to explain because that's how this works is that it measures the 
bioresonance. It measures the energy of the cells and the cells are storing so much energetic matter or material that we can't see, but it's there. It absolutely exists. So keep going, Julie, with your story. And that's such an important point because so much of what we do is, and Jeannie, you hit on this a little bit with what showed up on your hair analysis, which was emotions. Mm -hmm. One of the critical areas that are measured on the hair analysis is one category that's called emotions. And when it shows up on someone's scans, they kind of look at it and go, what is that all about? You know, how are you measuring my emotional Mm -hmm. health? And the reality is that so much of what we do, so much of how our bodies respond, so much of how we deal with everything in terms of not just those intrusions that come at us from the environment, but the nutritional intake and everything else that we have, those things are responded to based on our emotional state. And so when our body is under a stress, a kind of a fight or flight situation, our response to anything that's coming at it is very different from our response when we're in a happy, joyful, peaceful state. So measuring that emotional element is critical. So what exactly is it measuring? Is it when you put your hair in the scan, what is the thing that it's measuring? A multitude of things. There's a technical way of describing this, and I'm going to go at that here in a second, but I want to give you the one that I've used through the years because I think it really helps people kind of get this concept because it's very simple. I'm going to take you back to elementary school when we learned about trees and how they grow. And if you chop a tree down and you look at the individual rings around that tree, that's going to tell you what that tree lived through in its life. Fire, a drought, a bug, something along those lines. And the larger the diameter of that ring, the more pronounced or the bigger the impact that particular issue was on that tree's life. Our hair follicle is kind of the same concept. So as we're going through our everyday period of life, layer upon layer, kind of ring upon ring of information is deposited around that follicle. And what's going to be produced on the hair analysis, what's going to show on the review are those things, those big gigantic rings of information, those things that are resonating as the most important need. So when you've got an intrusion from a parasite or you've got radiation exposure or you've got a really nutritional imbalance of some sort, it's going to show up as a big ring around that hair follicle. When that follicle goes on to our S-Drive scanners, the piece of the equipment, that scanner literally pulls that follicle apart and looks at that information that's identified as the most important need for that person at that time. So in terms of emotional state, in terms of a viral infection, in terms of something that's going on inside the body at that point, that's what's showing up as that big ring. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious, the question I have, if someone has a parasite, do you know how that might show up in a hair follicle? Like how can our hair follicle pick that up? Is it through energy or some kind of a byproduct? How does our hair follicle pick that up? Well, absolutely. Listen to your guys' podcast on parasites a couple weeks ago. So I think I loved the sentence where it says, if you've got a pulse, you've got a parasite. (laughs) I think, Shanique, I think you said that. And it's so true because we all have parasites in our body. So it's It's not a question of whether or not there and is the hair skin picking up the fact that we have one. What's resonating when it shows up as parasites on the hair analysis is showing up as that big need, showing up as something that says this is having an impact in some way on the gut system, some way.
way in the body is identified as a very important area to be addressed. And so it's interesting because, as I mentioned, I do a number of different types of blood analysis. And one of them is what's called live cell microscopy. So when we're looking at these individual blood cells, it's a finger prick test. I look at the information and take the blood sample, put it on a slide, put it on the microscope and actually portray that onto a computer image you know, for the client. So they can actually see their blood cells from their fingertip. Oftentimes we will see parasites in that blood, in that wow. sample from the fingertip. That tells you that those parasites are throughout that person's entire body. What's interesting is when I'm doing the hair analysis in conjunction with this, I'm seeing a very, very large swath of that individual's what's called the resistance page showing as that parasite infestation because it is showing as a big gigantic bead. I'm seeing it in that blood sample from the fingertip. It's obviously penetrated throughout that individual's entire body. So when it's showing up on the hair analysis is again identified as a big need, something that is important for us to address. Do they seem like the same results when you do the finger brick versus the hair scan? Do those typically line up the same? Absolutely. When I do blood work, when I do our blood chem analyses and there's like blood sugar dysregulation and their lipids or vitamin D, like I see so much overlap. It blows my mind. It's like synchronicity and it gets me all giddy inside because I have like these big macho men that come in and like their wives are forcing them to do this. And then when they see like how the hair analysis lining up perfectly with their blood work, they're such a believer at the end of the consult that they're like, yeah, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Right. And it's beautiful to have one reinforce the other and the other reinforce the other. But what I really love about doing both of them is it helps me see if it's showing up in the blood work and the hair analysis, this is a hundred percent priority. I have a hundred data points and I can kind of discern like what might be more priority than others. But when they both tell me this is a priority, then it like goes all the way to the top for me. And so you can create this really cohesive healing plan for people just because you have more data points. And so I actually take like one client a week and I won't do blood work without a hair analysis now. Like I won't. If they want to do blood work, but not the hair analysis, they have to go talk to the coaches because the information I get from the hair analysis, it's so monumental. When people are dealing with low grade viral infections like Epstein-Barr or herpes one or two, or they're dealing with shingles and they just have these viral infections, their blood work will actually look pristine. There might be like a little bit of white blood cell activity happening, but it's nothing to write home about. But when I do the hair analysis and it's like, boom, virus, boom, post-virus, boom, parasites, it's just like, "Mm, this is an immune issue. And then it's just like, ding, ding, ding. We found our answer. I didn't quite find it in my blood work, but I found it in the hair analysis. So let's go in that route. To me, that they're two peas in a pod. Like I have to do them both together now. Absolutely. And you know, it's interesting too, because when we're looking at things like EMF exposure, EMF standing for electromagnetic frequencies, so it's all the devices in life like cell phones, computers and such. Mm-hmm. When we're looking at that kind of exposure, radiation, sometimes toxic metal, oftentimes the blood cells will actually be somewhat deformed. Mm-hmm. And let me describe that briefly. If you look at the blood cells, they're supposed to have a nice round surface, very solid and pronounced and everything else. When someone has a pretty significant EMF exposure, those blood cells turn into what are called burr cells. They actually have jagged edges. They almost look like a bottle cap. And once again, I'm looking at a fingertip, drop of blood from a fingertip. So we know that's permeated throughout that individual's entire body. Think about the fact that our organs and our systems are all created from cells. So when we've got those individual cells looking uh, malformed in such a way, it's an indication that this is something that's going to have a pretty dramatic effect on that individual's health. And so, Jenny, because you were saying those those two things match together, any kind of complex 
complementary test that you can do is fabulous because it just not only reinforces sometimes what you're seeing on the hair analysis, but oftentimes, as I mentioned before, the hair analysis gets in front of things that we don't even see on blood work. And I would imagine you've experienced this too, where you go through an analysis with someone, something shows up, they look a little perplexed because it's not something that they're tangibly feeling necessarily Mm -hmm. in the form of symptoms and they don't really understand it. And then you kind of give them your recommendations, get them on the next, you know, plan or what have you for them. And two or three weeks later, they come back and say, oh my gosh, remember how my hair analysis showed that I have a virus? Guess what? I got this major outbreak of X Mm -hmm. and they tell you something that they've experienced, but the hair analysis was in front of that identifying, you know, something that was again, that need of the body before the individual even knew it was there. And I like to teach my patients and clients that this gives us by staying in front of this information, it allows us to optimize their health, bring the body into that homeostasis level. So they're not having to deal with the symptoms that come with illness. It doesn't progress in that way. So when we see even minor deficiencies as it relates to nutritional elements, we want to still address those even minor Mm -hmm. deficiencies because it's going to stop them from becoming something that is a little out of hand in the future where it's really beginning to affect other systems of the body. Right. It's interesting because we work with a lot of Lyme people. It's a two-month protocol, but you have to start with the hair analysis and with the hair analysis. And even if before you're starting, let's say you're like, I want to do the Lyme protocol in a couple months. And we're like, do a hair analysis now so we can start working on things now because it literally changes how we change the protocol. I'll give a couple examples. So we had one Lyme patient. She's actually been very vocal online. I'm sure she won't mind because I'm interviewing her on the podcast, but she came in, started the protocol. And as standard, we're like, hey, let's do a hair analysis, right? Two weeks in and she's feeling amazing on our hyperbaric Lyme protocol, but parasites and I think toxins or virus came up and I was like, oh, we need to start Cellcor ASAP, right? Well, she waited a few weeks to start. And as soon as she started, she started getting all her Lyme symptoms back and she's like freaking out now. She's like, oh no. And and I'm like, no, 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 no. This is die off. This is parasites. Like parasites harbor Lyme. So when they're dying, you're releasing stuff. Even though Lyme is dying because of the protocol, there's still the byproduct and there's still like the immune reaction to it. So don't worry, this isn't a Lyme issue. This is an immune reaction issue. And she started passing parasites. Her symptoms started going away. Another case where we uh, started a Lyme patient on the protocol and she's been doing all kinds of things, right? And so she starts and we're halfway through her Lyme protocol and nothing. She's actually getting more tired. Her body's just feeling a little bit weaker. And I'm like, the interesting thing with Lyme, you guys, is like there's a hardware and a software issue when it comes to Lyme. What I mean by that is hyperbaric will deal with the hardware stuff, fixing all the damage, all the inflammation, like healing up the brain, the neural tissue, the mitochondrial damage. Hyperbaric goes in and heals all the hardware stuff. But when she wasn't getting any benefit, I'm like, I think this is a software issue, right? So this is brain chemistry of thoughts and emotions. And so we did a hair analysis and boom, the very first thing that showed up as number one was emotions. So we started talking and we actually went into a body process and there was like tons of crying. And I was like, hyperbaric isn't for you right now. We actually have to retrain your brain and get you out of this sympathetic dominance back into a parasympathetic state. And so we spoke about a few programs for her to start. But every time she would get emotional, her body would literally shut down like stop creating energy, right? And so I was like, this isn't a hardware issue anymore. This is a software issue. So let's work on the software of what's happening in your body. It's been so monumental for us in our practice when it comes to hair analysis, because it gives us these little details that we wouldn't typically get from other testing. And so Julie, that's probably been the case for you, I assume, because you're 3000 scans in doing this for seven years. And it's like, once you start utilizing this tool, it's like, you can't stop because it's so, so good. I was just going to tell you another example of kind of a 
different take on this. I had an individual, this is about a couple years ago. She came into my practice and this is a young 24-year-old woman. She has done every kind of athletic event possible. She grew up in athletics. She was a triathlete. She literally been her entire life eating well, exercising, obviously regularly, just as fit as possible. And over the course of about three or four months, she started to feel really down. Her body, she was lethargic. She couldn't recover after exercise. She had a variety of different things going on. She had gone to a couple of different physicians and everything else. They weren't really able to identify anything. Her blood work showed nothing. Everything was fully within the ranges. And so she just got to a point of, she found out about the hair analysis and she wanted to try it and see what was going on. She had one of the most pure reports that I've ever seen. I mean, every nutrient showed up in perfect situation. Her immune system was great. Her gut system was fabulous, but she had a massive amount of EMF exposure. And so she said, okay, where is this coming from? I haven't really done anything differently. I exercised at the same place. I did move. Okay. Mm. So you moved. Where did you move to? And she moved to this new apartment. And she said, but you know, I don't live around any cell phone towers because we went through all of the different potential sources of this EMF exposure with her. And so one of the ones that one of the categories that came up was that which effects is affected, I should say, by smart meters. And I said, look mm. at your apartment complex, you know, see, find where that smart meter is located. And she said, well, I've got a building that's got entrances on both sides, apartments on both sides of the structure. And she said, I always come in, obviously, from my home, my entrance. And she said, I've never really looked on the other side of the building. And I said, well, go check it out and see what you can find. So she did come to find out on the backside of her apartment where her bedroom was, was a bank of 16 smart meters. And so she was literally going to bed every night exposed to this smart meter intrusion, if you will. And it began to just really chip away at her energy, at her health. And so she actually moved. She stayed in the same complex, but she moved. And within two or three weeks, she started to feel herself again, started to get that recovery back from exercise, started to feel energy in her body again. And so it's the simple things that we sometimes don't even think about that can have such a dramatic effect, even on someone who is in a really, really healthy state. Mm -hmm. So being able to get into those levels of detail and see those different exposures and alert someone to the fact that there's something they might not have thought about, something they might not have considered was actually having an influence for them is really what we need to be able to pay attention to and see as a result of this analysis. And right now, I was curious if the anecdotal evidence is so strong or is there any published studies yet on this? How far do you think we are from conventional medicine actually using this? Any studies on the hair analysis? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. There really aren't any studies. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of white papers that have been done by individuals in different countries, Italy, Spain, Portugal, Australia. They've all produced their own little anecdotal information, mostly from case studies that they've evaluated um, down particular paths. Janik, you mentioned Lyme's disease. I know that that was one study. In Italy, as an example, they've done a study on athletes that's pretty dramatic because a lot of the individuals, the professional sports teams in other countries like Spain and Italy, they use the hair analysis as a basis of measuring their athletes all the way through their tenure with that professional team. Because obviously, in order for them to perform at their optimal level, they're going to want to ensure that, number one, they don't have any outside intrusions that are impeding their health in any way, but they also want to make sure they're nutritionally sound and their cardiovascular system is functioning correctly and so on. So there's a lot of those individual country studies that are done. But I think one of the reasons why we stay away from the actual white papers is because we're not 
not attempting to compete in that medical world. This is not what most medical doctors would consider to be scientifically proven, that there's plenty of data that shows that the bioresonance, the measurement of that cell structure, the vibrations coming off of it, the energy around those cells and everything else are vital at, at showing us exactly what's going on inside that system and inside the body. Can we talk about the food restrictions? Because I hate going over the food restrictions list with people because they get so hung up on it. And some people are like, well, I don't eat that stuff. Or they say, oh, that's everything that I eat. Can you help people understand that have done hair analyses or that are considering doing it? How to interpret the data around the food restrictions list? Because there are people that are like, I've done a food allergy test and none of this matches. I have some opinions on it, but I want to hear yours first. Sure, absolutely. And it's actually one of my favorite things to talk to people about because as you said, Jenny, it's it's one of those where they kind of have pushback. They look at that and say, first of all, there's good foods on that list. Why would I be instructed to eat to avoid something that is a good for me kind of food like spinach or kale or something like that? Why would that show up? My way of describing this is foods are going to show up on this list for one of two reasons. And they are literally at opposite ends of the spectrum as to why they might be there. On the one hand, the individual is concerned consuming too much of that food. And again, it could be one of those good for you kinds of foods. If they're consuming too much, they're throwing that gut system off balance. Our body wants to be balanced. It wants to receive nutrients from a lot of different types of foods in order to have all of those different needs, antioxidants, fatty acids, amino acids, all of those different needs satisfied. So we want balance inside that gut system. If we're giving it too much of one particular type of food, it's going to throw that balance off in some way. The second reason and the other end of the spectrum kind of situation is those foods that are showing up on a restriction list and the person doesn't eat those foods at all. And they're asking you, why would I be asked to restrict something that I don't consume at all? Why would would this be here? And the basic description is if they were to consume, it's kind of like a red flag. We're throwing that up and saying, if you're even thinking about this food, we want you to understand that it's going to consume more energy for you than it's going to deliver back into the body for use. Another way of thinking about it is probably an easier analogy for people. And that is, um, there's a term in the pharmaceutical community called contraindication. If you're given an antibiotic, you're also given a list of things that you can't take with that antibiotic because it's in some way going to have an effect, a negative effect. Sometimes in the case of pharmaceuticals, it can be quite dangerous to take things together. So foods work the same way. Here, we're going to give this individual a list of all of those good foods that we want them to consume that are going to be there to respond to those nutritional needs that they have or that environmental issue that's working in the background of their body want those good foods to have their best opportunity for absorption. There might be these other foods out there that would in some way counter or contradict or intrude upon the absorption of that good food we're going to give them. So those bad foods are listed on that food restriction list. Like I said, the person's even considering consuming that item where they're going to stay away from it now because we've asked them to restrict it. I think I remember, I don't know if it was you or someone else training that were saying there could be like, let's say berries show up, but there's pesticides the sites on that certain berry that's triggering the immune system or something. Can you talk more about that? Because people don't realize it can be very complex. For me, there's so much data. My job is to find the patterns and explain the patterns Mm -hmm. to people and not get lost in the weeds. Right now we're talking about the weeds just so that people that are curious can understand it. But my job as a coach is to actually just find the pattern and find the path of least resistance for healing with having the revelation of the patterns. So can you talk more about 
about the pesticide stuff. Sure. And there's a couple of different things to think about when, like, say, for instance, just last week, I had an individual who on his food restriction list showed mushrooms. And he said, I hate mushrooms. I've never had them. I don't like them in anything. I don't even let them go into soups or anything else. He just was a real, real staunch uh, advocate against mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And they showed up on his food restriction list. He goes, why is this here? Oddly enough, the gentleman also had mold exposure, fungus. Interesting. So when you're having Mm. food restrictions show up on something, it's oftentimes, as you said, Jenny, it's the pattern is connected to something else that's showing up on that individual's report. So this gentleman had mold and fungus. Obviously, mushrooms are a fungus. They're going to further add to that intrusion, that individual issue that this person is trying to combat. So we're just restricting some of those foods that might contain that component, that particle that's going to add to that challenge. Same thing with pesticides. If you've got someone who is consuming, say, a lot of non-organic fruits and vegetables, they're getting a lot of pesticide exposure. If they've got chemicals showing up on their report, clearly one of the things or toxic metals, one of the things we're going to want them to avoid Mm. is anything that's going to exacerbate that problem. I also, not too long ago, had a gal show up with tuna. She says, I hate tuna. I've never eaten it. I don't like it. I never will. Why is it on my report? Heavy metals. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So she had metal exposure. There's also another twist to this. And we have to remember that this is an epigenetic report. So epigenetic is basically referring to we've got a gene pool. It's going to identify those characteristics that we're pulling in from our parents and our ancestors. The epi part, which means basically in Greek, that means sort of staying over, hovering above. That epi part is the nutrition and the environment and the lifestyle, all of those different emotional things that we've talked about. So that's what's resting above this gene pool. So when you have something, say for instance, I had an individual a while back, showed up with shellfish on her report. She says, I've never had shellfish in my life. Why would this be here telling me to restrict this? We went through all of the different things that it might be and none of those things really applied. So we just sort of said, just think about it this way. It's just too much energy. If you were even thinking about it, we just want to stay away from it. Maybe it's going to intrude with something else that your body is trying to correct. She comes back for her 90 day retest and shellfish was there again. I don't have that happen very often where food restriction shows up not once, but twice, especially not in concession. And so we went in through a long conversation and ultimately, you know, started talking about family history. And I said, does anyone in your family have any allergies to shellfish? And she said, yeah, you know, my dad was deathly allergic Mm, to shellfish. And I said, all right, so here's where we have this genetic predisposition to shellfish. Obviously, she's not consumed. It probably is influenced from her dad and all the things that she saw him maybe go through. So Mm. she just never went there. But her body knew that she wasn't needing to go there either. Another example is alcohol. You know, we've got people show up with alcohol on their report. They don't drink at all. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't consume alcohol as far as the beverage. They might put it on their hands with hand sanitizer or something like that, but they don't consume it. And yet there's a history of alcoholism maybe somewhere in their family. And that's that genetic issue coming through in the hair scan. What I've also found when alcohol shows up is it could be a histamine intolerance thing. And so it's not actually alcohol. It's something similar that's fermented and yeasty like kombucha or apple cider vinegar. And so when I say what's something fermented and potentially yeasty and they'll be like oh well I drink a ton of kombucha and I'm like oh it could be that and then a lot of apple cider and when they cut it out they're like oh I actually feel a lot better that's because again their immune system is just a little dysregulated I've found that it's not a perfect language in the hair analysis so here's an example one of my very first clients all the berries showed up on her on the food restriction I'm like that's weird because antioxidants was her number one right and I was like that's interesting what is something that you've potentially had every day for years and 
And she's like, oh, I drink noni juice every day. And I've done that for the past 10 years. And I'm like, okay, there's no language for noni and noni berry, but it's tagging all the berries because there's a berry in this body and we don't like it because we're getting way too much of it. And I said, maybe let's back off of the noni for a little bit and see how you feel, right? And then when we rescan, we can reintroduce berries again and diversify that antioxidant profile. And so it's so funny because I could literally spend three hours on a hair analysis going through all the details, but people just don't have the bandwidth, right? Or the education around it. Because I remember my reports used to be an hour and a half and I would fire hose people and tell them all the things. And they were just a deer in the headlights. They were just like, what is happening right now? The beautiful thing about the hair analysis is that you can do it every three months and you actually start to pick up the patterns in your own body, right? I have found because if you do a hair scan and you do another hair scan, it's going to be a little bit different. And I always say it's picking up like the layers of the onion, like your body and the importance of what is coming up is like a layer. And it's picking up one of the three top layers, right? And you'll see the more you do hair scans, it's so easy to do a hair scan. You don't even have to do the consult with it. You can just start looking at the patterns. You'll see a pattern. You'll see some things come up more often than others, right? And so you'll be like, hmm, okay, this is coming up. This is a baseline issue for me. Other things might move and shift a little bit, but there's some things that are just very consistent. And so again, yes, it's measuring those three layers of the onion and it's giving you the data around that in kind of patterny, wishy-washy ways. But the more you do it, the more clear it becomes on what your body is struggling with and what its weaknesses are. So a great example is amino protein synthesis is something that always shows up on me. Always, 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 always. And I'm homozygous for MTHFR and I'm a very scrawny person. I don't put muscle on very easily. I try to go vegan once for four days and I thought I was going to die. I actually think I got swung into Graves disease again. And then when I started eating meat, my body was like, oh, thank God. Right. And so for me, that's a very big weakness, like weight training, eating a lot of protein. Like that's something my individual genetics needs. So when people do this more consistently and they start to read their reports, they can get all this incredible data about their little weaknesses and even their strengths and then kind of live life in a way that they can support it. I really love what this actually, I think, gives a lot of freedom to. I think sometimes when we hear that, avoid these foods, it sounds really scary. Like, oh my gosh, now I have to restrict and avoid. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying, if I'm getting this right, is that sometimes our bodies just need a break or a way to adapt and heal, but it's not forever. No. Like you're done with these foods forever, which I think can be really freeing. I don't think we should be avoiding foods. I think we should build a body that's strong enough to metabolize everything. And it's funny because there are people that are carnivore and they're like, carnivore is saving my life. But people don't realize carnivore is an extreme elimination diet. Your immune system is so dysregulated. It can't handle anything. Your gut is so weak. It can't metabolize anything. We think about lectins and beans. Well, we have to cook lectins and how inflammatory lectins are. But we don't let the research that lectins are actually very anti-cancerous. And so if you have a microbiome that can digest beans, it can actually benefit you. But you need a hearty microbiome. You need a lot of bacteria down there. You need a lot of diversity. And if you don't have that, you have a weak gut. And so what do we do? Do we cater to the weak gut by cutting out everything or do we slowly build it up, right? Like I think about going to the gym and working out with like, okay, let's say I have a weak body. I start with 10 pounds. I don't go to the hundred pounds. Eating lectins, that's like a hundred pounds, right? I'm going to start with the 10 pounds and I'm going to go to 20 and then the 30 and then the 40. And eventually my body's going to be strong enough to lift the hundred pounds. So if your gut and your immune system can't handle the 100 pound food, 
then start with the tens and then the twenties and you slowly work your body up. We shouldn't be afraid of food, right? And we shouldn't cater to that fear. Our bodies are self-regulating organisms. And one thing that I've learned strongly and that Gina and I are creating a course around this is we're doing the mind, body, soul course that is helping people to learn to meditate and breathe and tap into the wisdom of their own bodies. But a huge part of food sensitivity and histamine intolerance is actually neurological dysregulation. And so if you find that you're so sensitive to food over and over and over, you need to regulate. And then once you regulate, then you can slowly bring foods back in and create the gut necessary to digest everything. And so if you're that person that's like, I can't eat anything or I will break out in hives. Yes, maybe a temporary elimination diet is important to get your inflammation down, but then start regulating your nervous system because that's actually going to exacerbate things if it's not, if you're in fight or flight all the time. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I've seen over and over again is the most important thing that clients or patients can take from this report are the food recommendations, both the foods to avoid as well as foods to consume. We've all had those situations where you start reading through a report and someone just gets this look of total exacerbation on their face. I will never remember how many times I'm seeing B12 or selenium or this or that. They don't have to. That's the beauty of the report. And it's one of the things, frankly, that drawed me to it in the very beginning. And that is I want foods to be the medicine. I want foods to be the way in which they can rebuild their body, retrain it to be able to deal with those challenges that they thought they had. Let's redirect everything and bring it in slowly and let their body become adjusted to that going forward. And the report has that pathway, that roadmap. It gives those food recommendations. And if the individual pays attention to those food recommendations, it's going to address those nutritional deficiencies and those environment influences. Are there supplements that are needed from time to time? Of course. If you've got a parasite infestation, you're going to need a parasite protocol to Mm -hmm. deal with that and help move that out of the system. But other things that are just normalizing the body's functionality can happen with foods over time. And your analogy is perfect. Peeling back those layers of the onion, that first report is going to give us the ability to see that bigger outer layer, that most important element that's needed that needs to be addressed. As we're going into that second or third scan, we're getting into the inner layers. We're optimizing the body in every way we can. And that's the advantage is that our bodies are ever-changing, but if we have an opportunity to really drive it in the proper way, we're going to hit that end result faster if we understand those individual needs that there, would it be nutrients or environmental. What's also interesting that I want people to understand is a lot of times they'll get a hair report and then they'll come back for another one and they're like, oh my gosh, parasites now showed up on my second report. Why didn't show up on my first? And the thing is, it's all about priority. It's a patterns program, but it's also a priority program. So maybe you had a lot of nutritional deficiencies. I always say you can't drive to Colorado on an empty tank of gas, right? You can't kill parasites without energy in your body. And so maybe your first scan showed oh, a lot of nutritional support systems that need support, obviously. So let's add more healing foods in. And now your body has the energy necessary to deal with the parasites. So it wasn't concealing that you didn't have them. It wasn't saying there are no parasites in this body. What it was saying was like, let's shine a light on what we need to handle right now in this moment. And so when, for instance, let me give example of like blood work. If I'm testing for like vitamin D and vitamin A, and both of those are low on blood work, and then I do a hair analysis and only vitamin D shows up, but vitamin A doesn't. They're saying, well, why isn't vitamin A showing up? Well, vitamin D is more priority right now, right? And there's going to be a list of foods that have a lot of vitamin D and maybe some overlap with vitamin A, but vitamin A potentially will show up later once vitamin D is cleared or once other things are cleared. And so with blood work, it shows everything under the sun that you're testing for, right? It'll show everything on a scale of one to 10, even it'll show all the ones and it'll show all the sevens and all the tens. 
But hair analysis only shows all the eight, nines, and tens. It's not going to show the zeros and the ones and the twos on that priority scale. And so I just wanted people to understand that when they're getting their hair scans and they're confused by the occurring hair scans. Well, and sometimes it's interesting because blood work, depending on the type of blood work you're doing, the blood panel, it's going to show a rather abbreviated period of time, a window into 72 hours, something along those lines. I've actually had individuals come in and say, oh yeah, I ate really well. I didn't drink any alcohol. I exercised for the last two weeks because I want my blood work to look as great as it possibly can. And I'm Mm. like, well, no, we want your blood work to reflect what's actually going on inside your body, how you're living your life. And the thing I love about the hair analysis is you can't trick it. It's 90 days of information. Your hair stores roughly 90 days of material. Mm. So you can't trick it unless you're literally changing the way you're living your life, which is a great thing. And it's also one of the reasons why hair is used in forensic sciences now beyond most everything else, whether it's blood, urine, anything along those lines, because that hair does store that not only longer window of time, but an additional layers of information that's not really there on some of the other types of tools that are out there. Another thing that reminds me is one of my very first clients when I was using this technology, he was dealing with fatigue. And so we had done one scan and then three months we did another scan and then he was coming in for his third scan. But the day before he found that his 30 something year old son was just diagnosed with stage four cancer. And so that was a huge shock to his system. And he was very emotionally distressed. And when I did his hair scan, the past two had a certain pattern. This one, the only priorities was emotions and sleep. And then it was a very sparse report. I'm like, I can't read anything from here. Your body's in so much shock right now. That's the alarm system that's going off. So I said, let's give it a week for you to compose yourself and then we'll rescan once like the initial shock has worn off. And so now I try to tell people, I'm like, come in happy. If you've been in like a car accident or something really traumatic has just barely happened in the past few days, let's wait a few days to do your scan because that energy is actually going to be in our cells. It can't not be in our cells. Our cells literally change according to our emotions, right? There's certain peptides that change and your cells would change according to the frequency of what's being signaled from your brain and from hormones as well. So be mindful of that. So amazing. I'm just so blown away. It's It's amazing. Fascinating. It is so fascinating. And so Julie, if there are people like coaches and nutritionists and doctors, people that are listening that are like, I want to bring this into my practice. How do they get a hold of you guys? I guess we could put this into the notes as well, but I'm Jay Clark and it's J-C-L-A-R-K-E at for F-O-R healthy cells, C-E-L-L-S dot com. And again, we'll put that into the notes section, but obviously you can contact us through Janique as well, Janique's office, I should say, and we would be happy to respond to any questions. And I just want to say the close of this conversation, thank you so much, not only for having me, I really appreciate being here with both of you. Like I said, it's a real joy to be here with you after having listened to so many of your conversations and your learning opportunities. It's just been great. But I also just really appreciate the tremendous amount of influence you've had on so many people. I think as a result of your influence, so many people have exposed themselves to this analysis and allowed themselves to be a patient of the analysis and really get on the road to healing. It's changed a lot of people's lives and that influence has been tremendous. So thank you so much for everything you've done um, to just create that awareness awareness and that interest in this opportunity. Julie, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And to listeners that are curious, 
curious about the hair scan and want to do it for the month of March. If you just want to get the hair scan, we're doing $20 off. So that's for remote and postal. So if you're local, just come on in, mention the podcast. And if it's still the month of March or mid-April, we'll say mid-April, you can get the $20 off. You can also put that towards a consult. So if you're a first-time hair scanner, absolutely do a consult with one of the coaches. Have them help you. People think they can read it and they can't. I've probably had one person in thousands of thousands of people be like, yeah, I understood this, right? So let my coaches help you dissect it and help you interpret it at least for the first couple. And normally after two or three scans, people kind of have the hang of it. And then you can just keep rescanning yourself and interpreting the data yourself and figuring out how you can go about your healing. But utilize this tool. And again, you're not one and done with these hair scans, guys. If you think you're a one and done person, you can't just look at the outer layer, right? Like there's so many layers, support all of them, like slough one off and get to the next one, then slough that one off and then get to the next one, then slough the next one off and get to the next one. It's four things of hair, right? Like four or five. That's it. It's not like a needle and blood work and going to lab core or something. It's so non-invasive and so helpful for even your children. I love using this on my kids because it really helps me to see both my kids are terrible methylators. Toxic metals and chemicals always come up for them. So I know how I can support them just throughout their lives, right? Emotions come up for them a lot. And when emotions come up, gut stuff comes up and it's like, okay, their gut stuff is from emotions. They've been very stressed. It's been a stressful couple years for them. You can really feel empowered and not helpless around how to help yourself and your family. So utilize these scans, utilize that they are so accessible. They're so affordable and really, really easy. And so that's it from me. Julie, do you have any parting words of wisdom before we close up this episode? No, I would just echo what you just said, because it's so important. This is our bodies are ever changing. The environment that we're exposed to is ever changing. Our needs are ever changing. Life circumstances are ever changing. So this gives us the ability to look at any of those things that are different from the one before and be able to alter and adjust and make sure that we're addressing those needs of the body. So I think your description was perfect. That was my closing comment. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. And Julie, I'm so happy that you're a listener of the podcast. That makes me really, really happy. So. They're fantastic, oh, you guys. You. I mean, the energy, the information, the tools that you give folks. I am so excited to listen to. They are a core part of my daily activity. When oh, I yay. can, I drop them in everywhere. So oh, thank you. That makes me so happy. And Gina, thanks for bringing the hard questions, the science. Show me the That's science. Right. Anytime. Show I me the science. I love it. <laughs> and listeners, thank you so much. Don't forget that we are doing a giveaway. This is a perfect time to talk about the giveaway. If you leave a review, a podcast review, and a rating you enter yourself in to get a free hair scan so this is for all us-based people only unfortunately we can't like ship to canada and japan and switzerland and whatnot and so if you are local or if you're a usa-based citizen or even if you're across the world we want to hear from you anyways i love reading your reviews i love them so much so thank you for showing us a little bit of how we are a part of your life and if you leave your review you might win a hair scan so thanks you guys thanks for listening we'll catch you next week Bye. Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Health Podcast. 